Welcome to The Get Together. This is a show about the nuts and bolts of community building, and I am your host, Bailey Richardson, a researcher, a community researcher at People & Company. I'm Kevin Huynh, also a partner at People & Company, a community researcher and strategist. <laughs> Each episode, Kev and I interview people who have built communities about just how they did it. How did they get the first people to show up? How did they grow to thousands more members? Yes. Now, some of you are tuning in, or you may know, um, that Kevin was the very first employee at Creative Mornings. Back in 2011, a 23-year-old baby Kev, fresh off his mechanical engineering degree from Berkeley, passed Go on. Go what? Bears. Go Bears. Uh, yeah. My dad went there. I'll give it a thumbs yeah. up. Um, he passed on a fancy Google job. Sorry, Pack, Google. sorry mom and dad. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, insurance. <laughs> And then you packed your bags and moved across the country. And on the first day of work at Creative Mornings, when Kevin walked into the office, sat down at his computer, he was greeted by an inbox full of emails from people asking to start their own CM chapters in their cities. Now, at that time, there were only four cities with the Creative Mornings, New York, Zurich, San Francisco, and Los Angeles. By the time Kevin left... Three and a half years later, he had helped take the Creative Mornings organization from four chapters to over 104. Today, though, is not about you, Kevin. Today, we are going to talk to the folks who are running Creative Mornings right now. Kev, tell us, who did we chat with today? So today we spoke to our friends uh, Lisa Cifuentes and Kyle Baptista. Um, so Kyle is the current COO at Creative Mornings HQ, and he's also a former Creative Mornings Toronto host, which is rad. And then Lisa is the head of community there. So she's really in charge of like cultivating the community, reviewing chapter applications, and she talks more about it in the episode. Uh, if you're not familiar with CM, a Creative Mornings is a free breakfast lecture. Uh, Kyle... Talks a bit about the origin story, but just imagine you show up on a Friday. There's a free talk from a creative person. It could be a chef. It could be a designer. It could be a founder. And volunteers host these free lectures in now almost 200 cities all around the world. We wanted to talk to Creative Mornings and dig into you know, how they seek out and vet their volunteer organizers, those local leaders, as well as what support they provide to them in order to, you know, help them cultivate their own local communities. Yeah. And on that lens, Kev, you forge some of these resources, tools, support uh, offerings that you guys give organizers. And I'm wondering what stood out to you from talking to Kyle and Lisa about what they do now. Yeah. Uh, The the thing that stood out to me, looking back, uh, I feel like my work in the early days, um, there was a lot of almost coaching organizers. It was like maybe headquarters knew best because, you know, Tina, the founder had created the New York event. We were still doing it. We've been doing it longer than anybody else. And we kind of thought we knew best maybe. Um, and we're putting together those original resources, right? That like template or that handbook. And now talking to Lisa and Kyle, the community of Creative Mornings organizers eagerly helps each other. Um, they're eagerly you know, translating marketing materials into different languages or sharing their best practices or sharing tips on how to find partners. And headquarters role has evolved to really just reflect back the best things, you know, like see how the community is helping each other. 
pick those out, listen, and then like make sure those are readily available to everybody. And it's very much of a like a, a farmer, a cultivator, mm-hmm. like, yeah, what what's really going on? How we how do we just help more of that goodness happen? And it's I don't know, it was so cool to hear Lisa and Kyle talk about um, that evolution of CM and the community is awesome and yeah. Yeah, they know what they're doing. They do. A lot of best practices in here. Yes. All right, let's jump in. Let's do it. So right now we're, I mean, context for the listeners. We're right now in Brooklyn. Are we in Boreham Hill? Is we're, in Boreham. Boreham. we're in Boreham Hill. We're in Boreham Hill. Yeah. Boreham Hill, Creative Mornings HQ, Kyle, CEO, Creative Mornings, Lisa C. Fuentes, Kyle Baptista, Lisa C. Fuentes, uh, head of community at Creative Mornings. Ginger? Ginger, chief dog. Chief, chief, chief dog, what kind of dog is Ginger? Uh, she's a mutt from Granada. She's a rescue. I don't uh, even know what that means. Yeah. <laughs> she's a street dog. She's a mix. Oh, hi, I'm talking about you. Uh, from Granada, brought to New York about a year ago. What's uh, her native language in Granada? Is it Spanish? It's Spanish, uh, but I, I've tried with my limited Spanish to, to see if she would respond, but I haven't gotten anything out of it. Okay. But my Spanish is also non existent, so. <laughs> don't worry, Bailey's fluent. Okay. I can speak with her Lisa. later. No, wait, 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 wait. We're all good, not, not you. Okay, so I, just, so I just want to kick off with like origin stories. Creative Mornings today, I, I checked the website. Mm. 196 cities 196. And, and counting. Yeah. I don't even know what's on deck. There's probably applications to review from hosts. But that means like in presumably 196 cities around the world, monthly free creative lectures. Kyle, can you tell me a bit about like how Creative Mornings got started. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, it was 10 years and a few months ago. Um, so, you know, this, this year was a major milestone. Uh, the 10-year mark was pretty significant. Our, our founder and CEO, Tina Roth Eisenberg, uh, was having trouble finding uh, like-minded individuals in New York and, how, and finding out where they were, how to befriend them, and work with them and just kind of get to know them. So. She created a meetup in her, at the time, her co-working space called Studio Mates and decided that she would invite uh, a bunch of people to come together and, and just kind of hang out and have a little meetup for the creative community in New York. It was Creative Mornings, but it didn't have a speaker. It was a gathering in her sixth floor co-working space and the elevator was broken. <laughs> uh, and I believe the food didn't show up, perhaps, is the, is the other challenge that she had. Uh, so it was kind of a, a big thing small. small. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> big thing that small. Turned into a bit of a mix and mingle. Uh, upon reiterating the event for the second month in October 2008, Tina decided to focus the event around a speaker. So kind of have a central element around that meetup and that gathering to kind of bring purpose, bring meaning, hopefully a little bit of inspiration to the community and kind of grease the wheels a little bit on their interactions with each other and help them you know, make those face-to-face connections a little more easily. And the rest is history. Yeah, and, and you, I met you when, um, I think when you were applying to take over yeah. the Toronto chapter. How did you get involved in Toronto? Yeah, so Toronto wasn't actually a chapter yet. And, you know, I followed Tina and I followed Creative Mornings on Twitter. And I was a creative working in Toronto and I had aspirations of uh, bringing a chapter there. And I think it was Creative Mornings' third birthday when they created a microsite, mm. uh, which we went and found on, I forgot where it was set up, maybe Tumblr or something yeah. like that. Wait, which uh, microsite are we talking? The 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 what what should create a oh, the, the happy birthday one. Happy birthday. That Yoko site. and I hacked together, and I think slept on the floor that night. Yeah. In the <laughs> studio. <laughs> Yoko's my partner. She was working. Well, I mean, not at the time. Yeah, I was gonna say how did that really? <laughs> <laughs> we can get back to another order. Hold on a minute. 
Sarah. It's mostly about you. So I found this microsite and it said, what should Creative Mornings do next? It was kind of like, what's your birthday wish for Creative yeah. Mornings? And I wrote in and submitted to the site uh, my birthday wishes for Creative Mornings to come to Toronto. And I went and did a, you know, command control F and saw who else wrote Toronto on that page. And we all kind of started following each other. Um, wow. I do yeah. not know this. Yeah, this is the yeah. like, origin, story. origin story. Yeah. Uh, we all started following each other. We had a meeting. Like, let's get together. Let's start a chapter. Let's make this happen. Uh, and then, you know, I'm still close to some of the people that were in that circle. And uh, we were all strangers from Twitter. And we got together and we said, let's do it. Let's file an application. So we went to file our application. And I believe it was Kevin that said, oh, somebody beat you by two weeks. Like, somebody applied for a trauma mm. chapter like two weeks ago. Uh, well, you guys were making friends. Yeah, we were, <laughs> Someone we were, else. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you were forming the <laughs> super team. I gave you the first person to walk in the door. who was a wonderful, amazing founding host, uh, started the chapter, and I was yeah. just a, a volunteer from the early days. So it was there from day one. You know, I was uh, checking people in on the first, at the first ever yeah. Creative Mornings Toronto, which was November 2011. Uh, they just celebrated the seventh anniversary recently. And yeah, that's how I got involved. Yeah, and, and now what, what do you do at headquarters? So I'm the, I'm the COO, uh, Chief Operating Officer. I'm the old Kyle. Yeah, yeah. That's how, how I usually introduce I'm myself. I'm the new Kevin, which, is, <laughs> which people still call me that and it hurts, but it's kind of <laughs> uh, uh, Final. <laughs> I, I operationalize Creative Mornings HQ and a little bit of like Tina's vision for the organization. So making sure we have the funding and the budget to do what we need and uh, you know the funding we need to support our community, um, the tools and resources we need for our operations um, at HQ, uh, a lot of the strategy and support for some of the various products and things that we're doing, and just supporting our very highly competent HQ team in content and partnerships and community and the Creative Guild and field trips and some of our other products. Yeah, so, uh, but working in support to the team. Operationalizing the operation. Yeah. <laughs> and Lisa, I met you at the first Creative Morning Summit. Did we meet before that? No, that was our first meeting. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, at that point, had been just attending Creative Mornings as a regular uh, attendee because I loved it so much. And then one day I remember Sally, a former Creative Mornings employee, got up on stage and said that they needed volunteers for this big event that was coming up. And at the time I had no idea what it was. So I put my hand up, of course, because it was Creative Mornings. And I think a few weeks later, I came to the office because that was when the 2014 Creative Morning Summit yeah. happened with all of the organizers from around the world. And that's how I got involved. I started just volunteering at that event. Yeah. I love how there's this theme of both of you got involved in like small ways before like the big way. It wasn't like I was on Indeed.com looking for a job <laughs> and Creative Warriors head of community. It was like varying layers of involvement. Yeah. What are you up to as head of community today at CMHQ? So now, um, as you mentioned, we're 196 chapters. So me and two other people on the community team are responsible for all of the applications yeah. that come in because in order to run a Creative Warnings chapter, there is an application process that you lovingly put in place. I want to ask more about that. Yeah, yeah keep okay, we'll, we'll get to that. <laughs> um, so our role really is to vet the applicants that come through to make sure that they're the right fit for the community. And we look for certain criteria, whether it's someone who is humble, someone who's really good at shining the light on their community, someone who really wants to bring their community together and ultimately just make their city better. Yeah. Um, so those are some of the things that we're looking for. And then when we approve them, we begin the onboarding process of introducing them to the rest of the organizers around the world. 
from there, people become part of the community once they start hosting the events in their city. And our job really is to make sure that they have everything that they need on the ground locally, but also that they feel tied to the global organization. Mm that they feel like they can reach out to not only us, but to organizers in other cities to chat about uh, event logistics, partnerships, speakers. The whole thing about it being a community is that they feel like they belong to it. So we're just here to manage that and make sure that it's happening. How many organizers do you think you've interviewed Mm. by now? This is one of those like Google, like estimate questions for your job. Over a hundred. Maybe around 100, actually, because when I came on board, we were at 105 chapters. Yeah. And it was uh, Tel Aviv. That was the first chapter that I onboarded. Mm-hmm. Now we're at 196. Yeah. So maybe it's more than that, given that we also have handover applications mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. yeah. And we also don't What's approve. a handover application? This you is Bailey. The, I don't work at Creative Mornings. I'll be asking the dumb questions. You know the city handover? No, just kidding. Oh, I get it. Okay, so <laughs> someone has to apply if they want to take over... Uh, okay, all right, yeah. got it. And actually, sometimes um, someone is nominated from the former team who is okay. stepping away from the chapter. But we still do an interview with them as well. So ballpark, I would say 150. Whoa. Yeah, it's a lot of interviews. So what's something that you've learned from those first couple interviews to now having, like, you know, evaluated talk to these passionate people that want to host Creative Mornings? 150 hours later. (laughs) I would say sometimes it's really easy to know whether or not someone is a right fit within the first five minutes of an interview. And I think a lot of it just comes down to a gut feeling, an instinct. And a lot, of course, I should say there is a lot of pre-work that goes into... Uh vetting the applicant yeah. even before we schedule the interview. Yeah. We've already seen their app, their written application. Yeah, tell us about the application sure. process. It's very thorough, I would say, and it's not easy. It's just a apply. giant wall. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I love how you described it very short room. Yeah. that you purposely made it hard because it acts as a filter. So people who aren't willing to put in the time and effort yeah. clearly wouldn't be able to execute 12 events a year. So luckily that has been put in place. And uh, it's a written application that asks people what their vision is for the Creative Mornings chapter in their city, why they need one, who is on their team, what kind of speakers they have in mind. It really just allows us to see what the chapter would look like if they were to be the host. So from there, they also have to film a video that is, I would say, pretty produced. Um, It's wise that they have a videographer on the team already so that they can shoot a high quality video and showcase their city. And not only that, it really helps us to see who their teammates will be. We wanna see that the person has made the effort to talk to people in their community, get people on board, get people excited. What kind of influence does this person have within their own local community? So they put together this video, we review it, and if we feel it meets that level of professionalism and that community spirit, we will schedule an interview with them. Getting that far already is a very good sign. I would say the biggest challenges that we've had in the past when we're selecting a host is when we have multiple excellent videos and applications from the same city. Because then in that case, we have to decide of two or three really well done applications, who would be the best fit. And the best case scenario in that situation is selecting one, mostly because 
logistically it's easier for us to only have one liaison with the city, but then for them to collaborate as a yeah. team. I avoided that situation with Kyle. I just decided, you know, take yeah. the first person <laughs> and then we don't have to pick between two. <laughs> Lisa, can I ask you a question? Sure. So I feel like at Instagram picking suggested users was the closest thing to picking organizers. Uh-huh. And one of the things I also tried to look for was people's intent. Like, are they on this platform just to kind of get followers and build a career? Absolutely. That was sort of intuitive to me. And it sounds like you guys are doing that too. Yeah. Why? Like, what's the argument for needing someone to not be in it for themselves? Or, you know, how could you be in it for yourself? Because you do gain things for yeah. being a Creative Mornings organizer. But yeah, just what's the why there? Well, I'd say we're really protective of this community. And people trust Creative Mornings because we are protective. When you go to an event, whether it's in New York or Bangkok or Kuala Lumpur, you're showing up and there's no catch. You're going to hear an inspiring talk. You're going to meet people who are interested, engaged, kind. I think that's really the underlying thread within our community. Everyone is just really nice. And I think if you start to model that with people who are starting the chapter because they want to get something out of it for themselves, you attract a different type of audience and a different type of community. That energy ripples through the rest of the community and impacts them too. So we're as protective of the community you're joining uh, as much as we are of, of the overall product. Creative mornings. And I think the end result is we want a consistent experience of attendees around the world, mm-hmm. which is, you know, in 2018, it's going to be almost a quarter of a million people who came to our events this wow. year. Uh, we want all of them coming to the event and the takeaway being that it felt like a gift. Yeah. to have that consistent experience across the world. Yeah, I, it seems always feels so generous. There's no catch, yeah. it feels like a gift. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like you are picking someone who has generous intent so that they will make those design decisions yeah. and how they put an event on naturally, you know? It's yeah. like, oh, you'll carry this into yeah. the way you put this whole thing yeah. on. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think back to when I was uh, putting together that application, like how much of this was the grand design or more like, yeah, I wonder what should be in an application. Here it goes and you, I kind of ended up with something that was really hard. I realize now that there's like, there are elements of show, not tell. Because you can ask people, tell us who your team is. But by having to put together the video, they have to go through those actions of actually rallying their team to go do the thing. And that is one step further. That requires like, you know, spending some of your social capital that requires like, yeah, really working together, which is what you're going to have to do to put on the event. Yeah, the application is like that mini process started. Look at you, savant moving, Kevin. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, what? I think this is the feeling of like the last three, three years after leaving. I was like, I just got to go figure out like what I was doing, <laughs> why it maybe made sense, where did I go wrong? <laughs> Yeah, I would say also the application just really sets the expectation because I think a lot of people have this idea of what it takes to run a chapter and when they see it, when they attend another event, a lot of our organizers are so good at what they do, they make it look easy. And so when you're actually doing the application, it shows you that it's actually a lot of work that goes into it and there's a lot that happens behind the scenes that maybe people don't realize, but you're planning an event every single month. Uh, For hundreds and thousands of people or sometimes, right? It's like lots of people are coming. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's setting expectations too because you go through the application process and when you get into the first event and you see the grind that's involved and everything, all the aspects, catering, AV, 
speaker vetting and training, volunteer management, yeah. sponsorship. So you kind of like, you, there's no surprises. You, you kind yeah. of know what you're going to get. It's kind of like setting people up for success rather than, oh my gosh, I had no idea what I was getting yeah. into. Yeah. It's like, let's let's put you on yeah. sort of this like first training wheels experience, but it's still going to be hard yeah. going through the application and then that first event a little bit more ready. Part of it that's helped us maintain this system from the early days through now is that we've never had you know, requirements to meet a certain threshold of attendees or chapters or community. Mm-hmm. Our partners invest in us because they like who we are and what we do and understand huh. our reach and scope, but we don't have to reach 200 chapters by the end of the year and we're comfortable being at 196 until the next wave of applications come in. So you feel like if there were like hard growth goals, like you know what, end of 2019, we want to be at 300 chapters yeah. and mm-hmm. that would put you in a position where you might be incentivized to sacrifice some of the like quality or, or go out more aggressively <coughs> to find hosts that might not be the best for the community. Yeah, I would say there was, I think, only one exception to this, but we've never really gone out and solicited applications from people. Yeah. For someone to apply, their intent has to come from themselves. Yeah. We're not going to ask for it because then it's not effective. People have to have the desire to do this. Yeah. What's really hard? For an organizer, like what do they struggle with? You both work as organizers. You put on an event in New York. Kyle, you were running Toronto for X years. How many years? Uh, three years. Three years. Uh, and then you're working with so many organizers today. What's really tough for them? Partnerships. Mm-hmm. <laughs> number one. Number, number one. one challenge uh, for our chapters. Um, Can you break down a par- what a partnership yeah, is too? Because there's like at least yeah. two types. And, right. Yeah. So the traditional we use the word partnerships as a, like an active engagement with essentially what are sponsors, but they are financial, they're in kind, they're any aspect of a chapter needing to ask for something. Chapters aren't allowed to pay speaker fees, so they need to ask their speakers to waive fees if those are a thing. And we put a lot of onus on the chapter, and, and the events have to be free, you can't charge for tickets. But they can and be, breakfast is free, and someone breakfast, can make exactly. coffee, coffee, breakfast, yeah. yeah. So the, the expectations are high, like a, a, a speaker that is willing to be recorded and not receive speaker fees for presenting to a community, uh, at least coffee, if not coffee and breakfast. And we don't give them the financial resources. We give them a lot of tools and a lot of assets and a global ticketing system. And our global partners provide the tools that they use. But they need to figure out the rest on their own. And there's a lot of different scenarios for doing this. A lot of our chapters receive only in-kind donations. Uh, Others will connect their financial partners directly to their vendors and they'll pay through so they don't actually deal with any money. Mm -hmm. And then a smaller portion of chapters who set themselves up as nonprofits or LLCs or run it through their creative business or their agency to manage uh, what's really a complex financial system that's, you know, dealing with twenty, thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars a year at a single chapter to put on events at this mm-hmm. scale. And the average event size is 120 people. So these are big events across the board. The chapters have to build that system. Mm-hmm. I will say though, as part of what the community team does is to provide resources so that when new chapters are looking for partners, it's not as daunting. So we provide them resources, templates, Can you say some of what those are? Yeah. So some of the tools that we use to connect the organizers to each other are Slack and a private Facebook group. So people will go into those uh, channels to have conversations about how they've done it successfully in the past. People are very willing to share with each other what's worked for them and what hasn't. And then we will be monitoring all of that chatter and then taking anything that is shared and providing it back to everyone else who maybe missed that. So some of our chapters have put together these these incredible decks Uh on 
why someone should support Creative Mornings in their city. You know, it would have stats, it would have information on the audience, reasons why they should support the chapter, Mm -hmm. and they've designed it, it looks really good, it's very visual, and they will willingly share that with other organizers in different cities who are just starting out, and then people will copy each other and replicate it, and it's encouraged. I just want to clap for that. Best best practice alert right there. Reuse what your community builds. Thread it through. I love that because I I think in the early days when I was putting together resources, I was getting some like information and tips from organizers and kind of putting them in, but it, it really felt like here's the PDF, here's this, and like here are the resources versus this seeing what other people make and reflecting it back. Mm-hmm. Felt a little bit like seeding the process yeah. versus now, I mean, those organizers, they know best, right? They're the yeah. ones on the ground. They're the ones like knocking their head against the wall, trying yeah. to find that next partner. Yeah. And when something works for them, they can speak to it and describe it so much better than someone who just hypothetically thinks what would work, mm-hmm. you know, could. Yeah. And so we've started collecting everything and putting it in Dropmark, which is how we share a lot of the resources. So when you go in, you log in, you can see partnership decks from whoever has submitted them, whoever has shared them. Yeah, probably in different languages too, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And it's everything from graphic assets, chapters will share their Illustrator and Photoshop files um, to the community. So they have a consistent calendar of calls to action for their community. Like, don't forget to register, cancel your ticket if you can't make it, join the wait list, and tell your friend, bring a friend. Um, so when they create assets, they're so scalable to every yeah. chapter. And you know, we have very talented illustrators and designers and people within our chapter community yeah. that create these custom for their chapter. Yeah. And we ask them to share the source files and they very willingly yeah. do. So we have a massive library of graphics assets. And things yeah. like that. This, is, this is one of those things that I feel like is unique to the Creative Mornings community. I started working <laughs> with um, an education foundation called EdCamp, which is made up of K-12 teachers that has like chapter model everywhere. Okay. and. Their fluency with Adobe Creative Suite, with even PowerPoint, with these tools to customize things, just isn't as much there. And I realized that with the Creative Mornings community, not everywhere, but for the most part, there's going to be a team member who's probably a graphic designer. There's going to be a team member who's like fluent with this stuff. And that ability to like customize and create and share resources more quickly, I think even helps like propel what CM does. Also, just to add to that, so chapters are not only sharing the regular resources with each other, and the regular meaning the essentials, the basics, the partnership stuff, for example, but now they're coming up with really good ideas and also sharing it with each other. So for example, our chapter in St. Pete, Florida, they're all about sustainability and being a zero waste chapter, which is just incredible. Yeah. If you think about, they're having events every single month and they're completely zero waste. Wow. Yeah. So one of the things that they started doing, they created a mug library. So at every event, they encourage people to not only bring their mugs, mm. but they'll have a bucket, I don't know, yeah. a tray yeah. of mugs that they allow people to borrow for the event. Yeah. Mm. And so now a lot of our other chapters are doing it That's as cool. well. So yeah. it's like they shared the idea, they shared the graphics for it, and now it's spreading. It's spreading. Mm. Yeah. That's right. It also really fits like CM's vibe. Yeah. yeah. The like, it's homey. It's more of like a living room lecture versus like some... <laughs> 
whatever thousand dollar conference ticket exactly mm-hmm. yeah thing. i think it's that's like, a oh, quaker yeah. thing i've been to a quaker meeting and they oh. do a lot of the like library resources so you oh. can show up and just like grab somebody else's thing anytime you're at a meeting yeah. that like someone's left behind yeah i'm thinking it's i think about the college bar. Those quakers the college bar where you can like pay to have your beer signed and it's like hanging up is that what happens at cal that, 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 that's a thing at cal <laughs> at stanford we only have wine glasses <laughs> <laughs> It's a Chardonnay or Merlot glass. <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, move on. Move on for me. Um, what support that you provide to organizers are you most proud of, uh, just like individually? I would say the emotional support, really. Yeah. Queen. Tell, tell us about that. Anyone can provide decks and PDFs and tutorials. Yeah. I think what makes Creative Mornings different is that we're a very empathetic group of people that work here and when we hear stories from the community we feel it i mean i have conversations with people that are not only about their chapters but about their personal lives as well and i don't think that's something that you can really teach or replicate really necessarily it's just i think something that's really intrinsic to the people who are attracted to creative mornings and I think especially, you know, for example, Kyle having experience as a host himself, like you know what it's actually like to be on the ground. You have that yeah. lens of uh, you've been there yourself. I've never been a host, but I still feel like a deep connection with the people who are on the ground running their chapters. And I feel like I, I think Kyle says it so well, we are in service to the community. Yeah. And I wholeheartedly believe that. That's great. Yeah, anyone who's listening that that knows Lisa is just like, Mark man, John. they hit the biggest jackpot ever. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I'd be calling you every day. I'd be like, Lisa, I, have a, I want to talk to you. It's me again. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I think I enjoy it so much. Mm-hmm. I just really like connecting with people and being really just a friend or that big sister type or almost like the the parents of Creative Mornings. Yeah. That was one of the questions I want to ask that was like, what do you see as the role for a headquarters? Even if you chose one of those titles, mm-hmm. it could be like, are we like the quarterback? Are we like sort of the sponsor of this community? Or are we like the older sibling for it? And I, I love how you're really tapping into the like, yeah, it's not just like, we give these folks these plans and they do their thing. It's a lot more than that. Mm-hmm. I, I always see it as like a big sister role. Yeah. At least for myself personally, that's just yeah. the feeling I get yeah. from it. Kyle, uh, it's a good question. I don't know. I, I want to say parental, but I, I think I agree with sibling. Like the thing I really love is that we run HQ. This is the only paid staff in the world here in New York, but we run our local chapter too. Like we, yeah. I think it's one thing to have volunteered for a chapter and work here, but we also every month, you know, deal with catering and speaker questions and things that show yeah. up late and. Uh, the things that fall through, just yeah. like our chapters do. So we have the same experiences. So I think that makes it more of a sibling relationship. Yeah. Something that's like, we're also in this space, we're experiencing and doing yeah. this with you. And I think, uh, I can speak from chapter experience, it means a lot to me that the staff weren't just kind of managing things that felt far away. Uh, I saw when their event was, and I saw their event photos, and I could go and look at them to see what they were doing differently and learn from them, mm. just like you could with any other chapter. So we experience it every month and we're on the ground doing it yeah. as well, which I think means a lot. That's awesome. I, I hadn't reflected as much on how important and substantial it was that headquarters, that team continues to run a New York Creative Mornings chapter. 
I think that removes some of that probability that you get too far away from like what the real heart of this thing is. Yeah. You still remember what it feels like to like have breakfast come late, have a sponsor drop out, yeah. to have the sound guy not there, you know, like you still know that and that keeps you more grounded in what the priorities are and how to like help an organizer. Yeah, we're planning the events. We're I'm yeah, you got right, one next right week. after this actually. Yeah. What, wait, what's coming up next week? We have this musician named James Sills who's actually flying in from Wales. Whoa. Um, which normally, you know, we would actually um, select a New York based speaker. This was a special occasion because we wanted to end the year with something really heartwarming and fulfilling. And so we decided that we wanted to do it by having everyone sing together. Mm. So James will be leading us all in communal singing. Yes. Uh, it's yeah. awesome. So great. I'm really excited. You didn't ask Kyle what he was most proud of, the support that oh, yeah. you were most proud of. I'm curious. I, I would say the same. I think, again, reflecting on my time as a host, confidence was probably the biggest barrier. I felt like an imposter creative, and now I was facilitating the, like, the largest creative community in my city. Yeah. Uh, I, I had a lot of imposter syndrome, a lot of confidence issues around that. And what I felt from HQ was just kind of like overwhelming support, like, you, you got this, we, we believe in you, like, we have your yeah. back. Um, and if any doubt came for me or the community, which it never did, uh, I had that to fall back on. So that's the role, just kind of reassuring our hosts, like, they come to us with tough decisions and, you know, may or may not be looking for advice, but they just, like, sometimes you just need a sounding board and to know that things will be okay, yeah. whatever choice you make is the right one because you're the right person to make that decision. Yeah. Such an important point. Ba Bailey asked me, as we were running through questions, asked me this question yesterday, like, you know, what were you proud of from your time? And I was thinking, like, you know, I felt like my role there was, like, sandbox builder. It's like, there wasn't as much of a sandbox yet for organizers. And, like, let's make that structure a bit more clear, like, what tools are there. But if I go into, like, why, like, why that's helpful and why that's important, it's that kind of emotional support or confidence yeah. aspect of it that, like, you've been approved because, like, we agree you are the person to represent Orlando, Bangkok, wherever, and go do this thing. Go build that community. Um, yeah, you can. And we're your big brother or big sister. Your cheerleader. Yeah, <laughs> yeah in that journey. I, I wanted to ask, one thing we haven't talked about too much is the fact that there are people speaking all these different languages and all these different cultures, and it sounds like kind of the resource library is helpful with that. Anyone who's speaking a language that's Kyrillic can, like, <laughs> read the same things, but can you guys tell me, like, how did you build as capacity as a headquarters to support extremely different cultures or people who really don't speak the same language as you guys. Yeah, is there are there any issues there, or what what have you guys built or done to help those people? To be Trading honest, um, <laughs> well, not that English is we don't have it anywhere that it's an actual requirement, but it obviously helps because that's the language that we speak here at HQ. Yeah. So we do have organizers where. English is not their first language, so we've even done application uh, interviews with a translator, and it's been fine, you know, it, it's still um, manageable, it's doable. And then in terms of uh, the resources that we provide, you know, on our website, we still use Locale app to do translations, mm -hmm. but I would say, personally, I don't, oh God, I'm sorry, I feel like this is a bad answer, but like, I don't actually think about it too much. Mm -hmm. I don't, I just feel like people, 
people adapt. figure it out. Yeah, they figure yeah. it out. Yeah. yeah. I mean, web re- translation resources yeah. also, compared to a few years ago, yeah. everything on the internet is immediately translatable, and the quality is so much higher yeah. now. Yeah, exactly. So I feel like when I was working on this with Instagram, we had a Japanese user manually translate our entire app just because he like raised his hand and offered to do it in the early days. But now these things are just like extremely like they're fundamental building blocks of the internet. So I feel like people can overcome a lot of this stuff in written correspondence at least. Yeah. Well, that that interaction with locale app I think is interesting. So that's like a, I don't know the right word for it, but it's like a, uh, a plugin or a framework that allows for volunteer translators to translate different parts of the Creative Mornings website, oh, great. as well yeah. as like top titles and other things. There's still like a community of volunteers, whether those be maybe organizers or others. That, there are still people who do. Yeah, yeah, that that plugin will translate it to, you know, to Spanish, to mm. Portuguese, to Portuguese in Brazil, as well as Portuguese for yeah. like Portugal. And I think the website serves eleven languages with Locale or something like that. Um, that it, it is all volunteer led and translated. Um, that they kind of built in the mm. the infrastructure and the translations to make that site function. Yeah. And I think their you know events are done in fifteen or yeah. more languages. And the, the I think the autonomy of running a chapter really carries through into you have full control over the communications and every interaction point with your community, except the website, because that's centralized, but you control all the other interactions, so you can do it in whatever language you want, and we don't need to provide the resources because you're creating that content anyways. Mm-hmm. So there's just, I think the autonomy is a part of the reason why it's not so much of a struggle. Having said that, like we could always be doing more. We could be providing our handbook and some of our backend products in different languages and stuff. But, yeah. No, I think it, the autonomy answer is a really interesting one. It's like, you can't guess all of the little things that are going to be different from place to place to place, even if you run a chapter in New York. And so the way to design for that evolution and specificity is to give people control. And (laughs) and I guess bring on and onboard people who are really self-motivated and kind of can take their cake and run it. Some of our chapters um, are really good at sharing those resources again with each other. So for example, our Montevideo or Mexico chapters um, both of them will translate everything into Spanish and then send it out to the rest of the community because there are other Spanish-speaking chapters that could use it. Yeah. So. Yeah. The people in Spain are like, this is not this is Yeah. Not. <laughs> 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 Any mistakes we might have made in the early days? I think about this. Like, Is there anything that if you could teleport to 2012, you'd be like, Kevin, you I fool! Wish, I, wish you, I wish you, know, you, you did this a little bit different. Like, We've had to unravel this... Um, yeah, I mean, no regrets, but yeah, anything come to mind? I wouldn't call them mistakes. You know, there's an opportunity we have the, with the new website that's collected every talk. And, you, and, you know, when that new website launched, Kevin and the team here at the time uploaded every existing talk up until that point to the I've, site. I've been meaning to give you this hard drive that I have, which is like the original 500 or something. Oh, videos gosh, we downloaded like talks. Yeah, off of Vimeo, like individually. From the um, okay. <laughs> but that was great. But that site unlocked so much potential in the community, unlocked the opportunity for mailing lists and user accounts, of which there's half a million now. And we have yeah. hundreds of thousands of subscribers to the mailing list. That, that site really kind of like elevated, I think is what catalyzed a lot of yeah. the growth in Creative Mornings. Um, and it was only five years ago. Like that, that yeah. site launched five years ago, and Creative Mornings is ten years old. So yeah. it's just interesting, like an opportunity to like, say this in hindsight. Like we should have had that from day one. Yeah. Obviously, that's, that's yeah. like, obscene suggestion. But that, but, and, and you're talking about like the ability to pool resources. Like 
these folks are building communities all all over the world and like if you start centralizing some of that data yeah. and information and you're able to make connections as well as I don't know organize people more effectively yeah. and I don't, know, I don't know if we thought about it that way but it, it does make so much sense that like if you are able to start bringing that stuff together um, you have more that the headquarters is able to do on behalf of the community right. one last question which is you know certain creative mornings organizers um, that I met I mean I think about the first summit and like seeing I don't know if I'd seen you in person before that maybe you so but like you and others uh, it was just so impactful to me and the, some of those folks like remain friends today can you tell me about a particular organizer from the community that's I don't know that's left an impact on you or that uh, yeah anything uh, stick out with like someone not not to pick favorites no, but that's just that's such yeah. a tough question <laughs> I don't know if I could answer that diplomatically <laughs> they're all my favorites yeah it's <laughs> a required answer yeah <laughs> I, I, will, I will speak to the biggest impact uh, that like a person in the community has had for me so at the 2014 summit we'd been running Creative Mornings in Toronto for three years at that point you know we were pretty deep into it and we thought we had to figure it out um, to a degree, but you know, we're so on the ground, focused on our monthly event and the experience that our community has. Uh, I don't think I'd have been to another city's event yeah. by that point still. Uh, there weren't many any close to us, but uh, I've never really gone up to 40,000 feet to take a bigger picture look at how we're serving our community. And the first summit, the, the biggest kind of like, it, it, you could call it an aha moment, but for me it was like pull my hair out, kind of like, I can't believe I hadn't thought of this. So frustration and euphoria all mixed yeah. together. <laughs> And it was our Atlanta host, Blake, uh, who mm. spoke. There was uh, my favorite part of every one of these summits, this biennial event that brings together all of our global organizers, is the opportunity to hear from the community. And we, we select people to, the, across the breadth of our community to speak about something they're doing really well that we kind of want to highlight and role model to the rest of the community because we're really proud of it. Yeah, it's great. Um, Blake talked about how he opens every Creative Mornings Atlanta with a game show. Um, yeah. And the the intention that he sets with that and the mood and the energy that like overcomes the, the community. And I was, I, I think my jaw, my, yeah. my, my mouth was a game. Yeah. It just blew my mind. That room was on fire. Yeah, like, absolutely. Yeah. It was, yeah. yeah. Um, and it helped his presentation style. <laughs> it was <also> very <laughs> energetic. But I remember coming away from that saying, like, we've been doing it all wrong. Like, nothing has made me want to go back and change everything. Yeah. the way that that moment has and every summit and every experience I've had so many more of those takeaways like wow this is so true and this is articulating something that I've always felt but I've never really done yeah. and that all comes from our community like I think our best ideas come from the chapters and we just reflect them back to them yeah awesome I'm tapped out this, that was a wonderful conversation thank you for sharing yeah thanks guys thank you for asking us yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> If you want to get involved with Creative Mornings, maybe bring it to your part of the world, you can visit creativemornings.com. No spaces, very simple, creativemornings.com. Over at the website, you can also watch Creative Mornings talks, subscribe to their podcast, and sign up for the CM newsletter. Yeah. Um, if you want to find out more about us, people and company, visit our website, peopleand.company. It's not a .com, it's a .company. Mm. Uh, we're writing a book right now, a handbook on how to cultivate a community, uh, what we've learned from conversations like this one with Lisa and Kyle and others. Um, you can sign up to get notified about that on our website or just say hi, you know, just say something. 
to us. Reach out. Whatever. Reach out. Break that, <laughs> break out that listener wall. Reach out and touch someone. <laughs> uh, send us an email at hi at peopleand.company. Last thing. Review us, Oh, yeah. Please. If you like this, review us. Review leave, us. Leave a review in the, in the podcast please. store of your choice, in the podcast land of your choice. W- would it be more effective if I just say, review us? Review us. We should whisper it to the audience. <laughs> review. Please review us. Yeah, no, seriously, Is this like an ASMR? subscribing. Like, re- yeah, what's it called? AMSR. ASMR. 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 I just know it's like, it, you know, you just, you, here, this would be it. Just... Oh my God. <laughs> Sorry. Does that help, help people fall asleep? All right, maybe not. Okay, well, if All you're right. still there, Hopefully, it does make yeah. a big difference if you can either and or review and or subscribe to the podcast from what we hear on the internet so if you're cool with doing that we would be super grateful we'll see all of them so if you do it thank you yeah high five all right that's it from us see you next time